Hey guys, I'm Esther, owner of Sarah Design. And I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community and covering industry secrets and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. I am super excited to be hanging out with Chaitra Radhakrishna. Did I pronounce that correctly? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Okay, great. She is the founder of Pink Pot Studio. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Oh my God. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. I remember just a few years ago, I was listening to the podcast and it's just like a full circle moment being here as a guest today. So thank you for having me. Of course, of course. I feel like the first time that I became aware of you in your studio, I was actually looking for illustrators. And I believe <laughs> you said your your sister does illustrations. I Eventually, I went with a different illustrator just for style reasons. But yeah. like, she is super talented. And your sales mm-hmm. page with the, the illustrations <laughs> that she made was so amazing. Um, and yeah. also, your studio name is incredible. I mean... Oh, thank you. Yeah. Pink Pot. That's a very unique name. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me more about where that word came from? Oh my God. Yes. So you will probably not believe this, but I actually started, started out as a beauty blogger. Really? <laughs> wow. Yes. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So um, I moved to the US in 2013 on a research scholarship. Uh, I was moving from India. So I was born and brought up in India and I moved to the US just about nine years ago which is a lot now. It's almost coming up to a decade, you know. Um, But um, I primarily moved to the United States for a research scholarship in the Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. So again, tracing back a little bit, I am a computer science engineer. So that's what I studied, computer science all my life. And then I uh, came to uh, the U.S. for a research scholarship. And suddenly now I had all this time on my hand in the evenings And that's how I started a beauty blog. But why I started a beauty blog is because I walked into Sephora when I came (laughs) to the US. And back then there was no Sephora in India. So when I walked into Sephora for the first time, it was like, you know, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And as a, I think as a designer, like you, I'm so drawn to color. So even like when I, even now, yeah, even now when I walk into Sephora, all the different shades of color just like mesmerizes me so much. So I think that's what happened back then. And I don't know, I came back one day home after visiting Sephora and I just Googled something and I got lost into the rabbit hole of beauty blogs and fashion blogs and something like that and all that good stuff. So I was like, hmm, I'm away from home. I have all this time in the evening. So I'm just going to go start my own beauty blog. And I was just looking for a name. And then I was like, hmm, I love the color pink back then. I still love it, but we have a relationship now. It's like on and off. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. So I was just like playing with some names like out of my mouth and just pink part came and my husband, my boyfriend then, my husband now said that it sounded really good. Like it, it had a bit of a like a rhythm to it. It had an alliteration, like pink pot, like PP. Yeah. So I just went with it. You know, I didn't think about it too much. I just started a beauty blog called Pink Pot, and now here we are. Oh <laughs> yeah. wow! That okay. That's a great name <laughs> origin story. Let me just say. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I never ever thought it would turn into a business. I never ever thought it would morph into a design studio, but. 
that's what happened. And I just went with the name because I think, like I said, it sounds a little bit unique and I like it. I contemplate sometimes if I should change it, but I'm like, huh, it's okay. Like Pink Pot Studio sounds good. I'm, I'm just going to flow with it. Yeah. And it's no, been working. It's great. Yeah. You should keep it because I feel like it's very, it's interesting, but it's also like color related. And I know that you love colorful design. So yes. I think you should keep it. I love it. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and dive into reading your bio. And I know okay. we kind of got started on your design journey and all that. I'm super excited to learn more. I mean, especially yeah. because wow, like, I mean, even just in the last couple of minutes, like just an incredible journey that you've been on. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do our intro question and then our conversation today, which I am super, super excited about. Okay. So Chaitra is the founder of Pink Pot Studio, which is a Shopify design studio for product-based businesses. After taking a long maternity break, she got to rebuilding her design studio in January, 2020. And within a year, she was able to scale her income to six figures by booking consistent high-end 10K website projects while working less than 20 hours a week. She believes that being kind, doing good work, and working from a place of rest can go a long way in growing a business. She's on a mission to help other web designers raise their prices, design high-end websites, and scale their income doing what they love. So glad to be here. Yeah, of course. And I'm going to mention this a little bit later, but I'll just go ahead and do it now. I love that you said working from a place of rest. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's definitely going to be something that we dive into a little bit later in the episode, because that's something that I'm personally like just continuing to figure out like what that looks like for me. And so like, I just wanted to highlight that because I love the way that you phrased that. It's like working from a place of rest and then not resting because you worked really hard. You know, I feel like that's like, I just wanted to highlight that. I think that's so awesome. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to talk more about that. Awesome. Okay. So our intro question is, we're getting into our intro question a little bit later. Also guys, (laughs) Esther is preparing for her family to be in town right now. She is not with us today, but she will be back next week. Okay. So describe a dream client in an industry that you have not worked in before. Okay. So I was thinking about this before we got on the podcast. And um, so I primarily now work with Shopify product-based businesses. So I'm basically very focused in the e-commerce space. But inside that, I was thinking about how awesome it would be to work with a plant-based company. So I love plants. I love indoor plants. I'm a vegetarian. I've been vegetarian all my life. I just love plants, having plants in my office too. So like, do you know about the sill? Um, No, I don't. Yeah. It's like this really amazing plant company. They sell indoor plants, they send planters and all the plant stuff basically. So yeah, I was thinking it'd be awesome to work with a company or a brand that sells plants and is fully specializing in plant stuff. Ooh, I'm visualizing the brand already. <laughs> it looks so good. That yeah. would be so fun to do. I think a dream client for me in an industry that I haven't worked in before would probably mm-hmm. be like an author or a speaker. Recently, okay. mm-hmm. I um, have been getting some interest from people in the faith-based content creation space, which has been really, really cool because my faith is really, really important to me. And I just think it would be so, so wonderful to work with someone who's like creating a a faith-based community or an author who's creating Bible studies or something like that. I think that would be super cool. So I'll have to put that out there into the universe and, you know, see what comes back because uh, I think that that would be a really fun project. And I just love working with people who are aligned with my values. I think Mm -hmm. that is just 
so soul fulfilling. I feel like some of my most favorite projects haven't always been the ones that are the highest ticket, but are the ones where the client just becomes your friend by the end and they love everything you do and there's no feedback. So if I could put that in there with that ideal client, no feedback, they love everything. That would be amazing. Yeah, no, I I think, I think there's so many faith-based coaches out there. Like, you know, they're also speakers. So I think that kind of overlapping, you know, niche domain might be so good for you. Like I'm excited for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, when you get your plant company and when I work (laughs) with my faith-based author, then I will DM you and I'll let you know about it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. When I was transitioning from my full-time agency job to running my own studio, I knew that I really needed help. I wanted my business to succeed financially, but I wasn't sure how to even start. I didn't know how to price or structure my offerings, navigate sales calls, and I definitely did not know how profitability and peacefulness could coincide. I signed up for Design Biz Mastery, a group mastermind led by Morgan Rapp, at the very start of starting my business, and it set the tone for me from the start. I learned how to price by value and how to be confident on sales calls. Her coaching, which is backed by 10 years of experience running her own studio, made me feel that anything was possible and that I could structure my business the way that I really wanted to. Design Biz Mastery is built for designers ready to cut the noise and start to scale to six figures and beyond. The key? Powerfully productizing, pricing, and positioning their services using a blend of intensive style offers to create a consistent client pipeline, boost revenue with profitable cash-injecting offers, and cultivating sustainable personal confidence and the peace that they crave. Building a wildly profitable and sustainable design business that supports your lifestyle doesn't have to be a pipe dream. Visit dbm.morganrap.com backslash better. Rap is spelled R-A-P-P. To learn more about Design Biz Mastery and also receive access to a free private training about the three-part framework to peacefully scale your design business towards six figures on part-time hours. Okay, so I am just really excited to hear more about your story. I know we dove into that a little bit earlier on in the podcast But tell us more about your background in computer science and then the beauty blog and then what led you to design. And then you can also kind of go into talking about the break you took from your business, your maternity leave, because that's what we're chatting about today is six figures (laughs) post-maternity leave, which is honestly amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I am a professional software engineer. Like I said, I studied computer science, like bachelor's in computer science engineering. And then I did my master's as well in um, computer science. And then I joined the corporate world. The dream was always to work for Google or Apple or one of those big companies. Like, and I remember as a, you know, like as a fresh graduate from like computer science school, I always was like dreaming specifically about joining Google. Like that was my dream company. But then like, just like when I joined the corporate world after my master's, I was like, this is not the place for me. I don't like it. Like it was, I know this sounds like kind of exaggerated, but within half a day, I remember on the first day during my lunch break, me thinking that this is not the place I want to be, need to get out of this place as soon as possible. I think I was dreaming about this vision of what I wanted for my career. But when I really saw what the corporate world looked like, 
it was a total mismatch, probably because I am more creative. I'm drawn towards creative stuff. And the corporate world didn't have a lot of that, at least back then when I joined the corporate world. And so I did work in that firm for about 11 months. And then I uh, came to the US for that research scholarship. So I was doing that. And like I said, I started a beauty blog on the side without any hopes of making it anything except just like an outlet for my creativity in the evenings. But then soon people started noticing more and asking more about how the blog was designed and the photos that I was posting on the blog. So it just... I was like, hmm, I'm posting about mascaras and blushes and whatnot. And people are more, their questions were like, how do you get the logo to look like this? How do you get the sidebar to look like this? How do I add a button? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I started like posting mini tutorials on how answering these questions. And that like grew my blog readership like crazy. And I started loving it too, because I remember I used to tweak my blog's design for like hours and I wouldn't get bored. I would be like, huh, how can I do this? How can I implement this? And it was easy for me because I already had this coding background and I knew how to do these things because I was easily able to pick up CSS, JavaScript, and all that good stuff. So I'm like, hmm, I can do this. And it's actually fun. It's not like the boring coding thing that I'm used to doing. This actually, like you hit publish and you can see the results on the other side on how the blog is looking. So I started experimenting. I started posting these tutorials and the blog readership and the traffic really took off. And I started an Etsy shop selling blogger templates where people could just like download this template and install it on their blog and get that same kind of design. So that's how my business started. Like my design studio started with an Etsy shop. And yeah, I remember my first custom website, I charged $60. <laughs> it was- I love it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. This was back in 2015. That's when I started my design studio. I was selling blogger templates for $30 and my custom designs for $60. These websites had everything, homepage to blog page to about. And like you, like the client had to just tell me what they needed and it would have it, you know, and wow. I would charge $60. And I soon started making like good money. Like I was making about $2,000 per month uh, mm-hmm. from just this. But I was also working on like 10 to 15 projects at the same time. And I was just like, (laughs) it was crazy. And at the same time, I think in 2015, around August, my research scholarship was coming up for renewal. So I had to renew it or I had to, you know, figure something else. So and I just decided like, okay, I'm able to make $2,000 just working part time. What would happen if I gave it my all and see? So I just told myself like, okay, let's just try it for six months and see how it goes. And if it takes off, then wonderful. If not, we'll then find a job. So I went all in on my Etsy shop and whatever like I had at that time. And yeah, thank God it's been so long and I've not looked back ever since. But at that point, I also realized that if I was going to make this my full-time thing, I couldn't do what I was doing already, like charging $60 and doing 10 websites at the same time. It's going to drive me crazy. So I remember increasing my prices to about... 700 to 1200 that around the end of that year it was fine like i booked projects at that price point and it took off and i think that's that was the start of my proper design studio and at that point i was working with everybody like all creative entrepreneurs fashion bloggers were a very major industry i was trying i was working with because because of my beauty blogging i was also attracting a lot of these other fellow bloggers who wanted their blogs designed and things like that so that was 
that was a really fun period. But um, I think when I came into 2017, um, I was charging about 4,500 around that um, number for branding and website design. And I was not feeling very inspired because even like to make a decent amount of money at that price point, I had to still take on a lot of projects. It felt like to hit my income goals, I still had to take on a lot of projects. And it was okay. I was I was really happy at that point. I was making about 50K per year at that point in that year. And I was like, this is good, you know, like I'm doing what I love and I'm making good money. You know, 50K is, is a lot of money. Like at least at that point, like I felt yeah. really grateful for being able to make that money. And I was really happy, but also the projects that I was attracting, it was okay. I wasn't very inspired or very excited about them. It was good. And then in 2018, I got pregnant. <laughs> I got <laughs> pregnant and that was like a really big turning point, both for my life and for my business. So in 2018, when I got pregnant, I didn't really expect myself to take a long maternity break or a long pause from my business, but I had really bad like morning sickness and uh, girl, uh, me too. (laughs) It was rough. (laughs) I I don't remember a lot from my first trimester, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was like couch time. Like I only have one child and shout out to all the moms out there who are pregnant and have a toddler because I don't know how. (laughs) I really don't understand either. Like I have a three-year-old Two. So I just have a three-year-old boy, one, just one kid at this point. And I'm always wondering how people manage, you know, being pregnant and just running a business and being a mom. Because like I said, when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, this morning sickness thing isn't working out. You know, like I'm not able to do, you give my hundred percent. So right. right at the beginning of 2018, I kind of slowed down quite a lot, but I did one project that year. And that project kind of marked the turning point because that was my first Shopify e-commerce brand that I worked on and I absolutely loved it. So we launched their website and six months later, they went on to triple their revenue. And I was able to see that on the Shopify analytics dashboard at the back. And I'm like, wow, we relaunched and their revenue just like tripled over the next few months. And something really clicked for me with that project. I really loved it. I was able to see how what I did converted into results and that really excited me. But anyway, that was also the time I was going into maternity break. So I took a really long maternity for 18 months. So January, I mean, almost from January 2018, I slowed down to, I came back only in January of 2020. So that was like an almost two years and a complete 18 months of like switching off. So yeah, that was a big turning point in my business. And during that time, my revenue went down to zero. I was in the red, you know, with basic business expenses, just keeping the business running. I was, I think I like minus $1,200, you know, I hadn't made any money that year and no leads, no revenue, all the traffic that I'd built up to my website until that point, everything went down because I was just completely off from my business. Mm So ah, I won't lie, you know, it was really amazing uh, being a new mom and spending time with my wonderful baby, but also really sometimes wondered what the future of my career was, what the future of this business was. It was a little scary (laughs) sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you plan on taking 18 months or did it kind of just happen that way? I think I planned on somewhere between four to six months, but I Mm -hmm. thought I would be back by six months. 
but yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I wasn't. mean, six months is when it starts getting really hard. I feel like you, you're, you hit three months and then you're like, oh my gosh, like what, what have I got myself into? <laughs> and I then agree. like, I don't know. I feel like the whole first year is, it's just, especially with your first child, it's such a big yeah. change from yeah. no kids to one kid. Um, yeah. I think the transition from one to two might potentially be a little bit easier just in terms of confidence and knowing what you're doing. We're not thinking about that yet, but like yeah. potentially in the future, but like, yeah, yeah. I, I went, one thing that I say about my maternity leave, which was abysmally short, I think it took like six weeks or something. And then I was like back on the train. Like I wish I would have taken a longer yeah. break. So as much as it w- probably felt really like scary about like what's going to happen to your business. Like, I mean, you came back like with a bang, you know, yeah. like after you, you, you took that time, it just like, it probably was nice to be able to take things slow and mm-hmm. yeah, to just soak in that time with him and not have to Absolutely. worry about showing up for clients and also showing up for your hungry baby at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, totally. I think he was going to turn one by February of 2020. And I decided to come back like a month before that, like in January of 2020. And gosh, like when I came back, I was like, how am I going to do this? You know, like, um, life is changed. The time hustle. Yes. The bedtime hustle. It's just, it's impossible. And then when do you eat? When do you take a shower? You know, you're yeah. probably still, you know, some might be waking up at night, you know, it's just, a, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And I don't know if you have heard about the saying where it says like, when you give birth to a child, you also go, the mom also goes through like a rebirth kind of a, it's probably an old adage or it's an old saying. No, you know, I I understand true. that. It is for I sure. Understand. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I'm the same person that I was before, but I feel like in so many ways, like. I evolved into yes. like a higher level yes. of myself. Like, I mean, not only in all the physical changes and everything and like the process of like giving birth to a baby, it's like, I feel like mentally too, like I just became stronger. Like I I went places I've never gone before in the exactly. wee hours of the night. And like, I just, I never thought that I could be as strong as I am. And I feel yeah. like that has kind of impacted the way that I look at the world and the way that I run my business and the way I serve my clients. So we're on the same wavelength for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And that that's exactly pretty much what I experienced. It's like not just the physical up leveling or changes that happens, but it also is the mental, the emotional, even the spiritual, like, you know, there's just a lot of things happening inside you and you don't even know how strong you are, you know? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I wish I could go back and like to like month three where he was not sleeping. He was eating every hour and a half and everyone had told me two to three hours. So I was feeling a little misled and like, I don't know, I was just feeling sorry for myself. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. postpartum brings a lot of like, yeah, a lot of struggles, a lot of beauty, but like, I completely understand it is. I, I wish that I could go back and tell myself like, you don't yeah. know like how strong you are. Like you're going to exactly. get through this and your little boy is going to be so smart and amazing and just well attached and so well cared for. And your business is going yeah. to grow so much because of exactly the, the motherhood experience. So. Yes, exactly what happened with me because like when I always tell my story, I'm like, oh, I took like an 18 month break. And yes, my business went down to zero, but I've been thinking more about it. 
yes, I, my business went down to zero. And yes, during that time, I wasn't doing anything on the business. But I think there was a lot of mindset up leveling that was happening in the back end or background, which I think gave me all the strength to come back and do what I wanted to do when I came back from my maternity leave, because it just gave me a lot of perspective on how I wasn't doing the right things when I was running the business prior, right? All the things I was kind of spending my time, you know, like unfocused, scattered, because you have all the time in the world, then you take it for granted. And then you're, you know, you get distracted, imposter syndrome, shiny object syndrome, comparison syndrome. Like I kind of looked at how I was spending time in my business before having my baby. And I was able to spot all of these areas, which weren't serving me. And I think just taking that distance and being away from my business for so long gave me a lot of perspective on what could change when I came back. And I just, you know, made sure to put those things in place when I came back. So when I came back in January of 2020, I had four hours to work per day. I knew I wanted to take on just one project at a time because I didn't want the stress of running a business as well as having, you know, take care of a baby. Um, so I was just like, we'll, take, we'll do one project at a time. We'll do, I can do four hours uh, work per day. And I really wanted to make good money, Jen. <laughs> I was like, you know, yes. I've taken a long break. So, and it's it had already been up, you know, about five years or like probably four and a half years of running my business full time at that point. So I'm like, if I'm letting go of my professional computer science engineer career, to pursue this business, then I need to also make it profitable. You know, um, I need to make good money. So I'm like, look, I need to make 100K this year. I have four hours to work per day. Um, 100K was just basically like a number. It could have been 80K or it could have been 120. It really didn't matter. Um, mm -hmm. It was just like a round number that I was like, I need to make this money and I have four hours to work per day. What can I do? And the only way I was able, like my husband was like, yeah, you can do this by charging 10K per project. And I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no way. Nobody's going to pay me 10K for a project. That, that Those were like literally the words that came out of my mouth. And um, because up till that point, just before I went off on maternity break, the maximum I had charged was like 4,500. And many times that was for a full brand and a website. It wasn't just for a website either. So me just charging 10K for one website project just sounded like a far off dream, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I also learned that if I had to make this work the way I wanted to, like with four hours per day, I really had to make that happen. So I just kind of started diving a little bit more deeper into how I can raise my prices, how I can really charge 10K if it's really possible. And I think that was one of the key foundational pieces of like why I was able to hit that number that year. Yeah. Wow. So let's get into those details <laughs> then. I guess one of the questions that I have is like, not only like, how did you get to those numbers, but also how did you start attracting clients again after your long break? So yeah, you, there's a couple, there's a twofold question here is like, where yeah. were the clients coming from? And then how did you switch up your positioning or messaging or marketing to yeah. then, you know, make it a normal thing for someone to come and pay 10K, whereas prior you were kind of playing in the mid four figure space? 
Yeah, it wasn't easy. It wasn't straightforward at all. Like whenever I tell my story, it sounds like, ah, oh, just, you know, I came back from a maternity break and things just fell yeah. into place and I started learning <laughs> projects. more complicated than that. <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I came back though, I was more focused and I definitely, you know, niched down into Shopify and product-based businesses. Like I said, just before going off on my maternity break, I'd done that one project in Shopify and I truly enjoyed it. So I was like, let me just focus on this because prior to that, I always felt myself like really pulled in multiple directions when it came to like marketing. And I was like, do I need to talk about this? Do I need to talk about that? And I'm just like, you know what? I truly enjoyed Shopify. I truly enjoyed e-commerce. I'm like, I'm just going to niche down into this one space and see what happens. If it doesn't work, what am I going to lose? I'm anyway, right at the bottom right now, <laughs> right? Nothing can go wrong. I was at zero at that right. point. So I'm like, yeah, what can it's happen? Only up what? From here. It's, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I'm just going to try it. You know, I'll just niche down into Shopify product-based businesses. So that was one of the major decisions, I think, really helped in my positioning, really focusing on these product-based businesses. And secondly, I think... One other thing that I truly made a change into not only the way I thought about serving clients, but also my process was like, I truly shifted from just building pretty websites to powerful websites that was truly infused with strategy. I realized that if I had, or if I wanted to charge 10K for a website, there needed to be like a reason for somebody to invest 10K in a website. And I started like diving deep into what would make somebody invest higher prices in a website. And I realized that, you know, people were not just looking for a website, but they were looking to solve deeper problems in their business by, you know, getting a new website. And I started diving into more of that problem solving mindset and strategy. And I really put together a website strategy framework that would help me solve problems for clients or build websites that would solve big problems for clients. And I think that was also a major shift in both my mindset, but also in attracting these higher end clients. Because when clients see that you're able to solve problems for them, they're very readily, you know, able to invest or they're more ready to invest higher prices. They see the value. Working with you. They see the value more easily because Otherwise, and it's also easier for you to communicate the value when you talk about, you know, how you can serve their business and get their business to the next level, right? And how you can problem solve and really be a partner in their business and not just a web designer. So I think that shift from going from just a web designer to being a strategist and a problem solver for the businesses that I was working with, I think truly made a shift in attracting these higher end clients. And I think one other thing was... I stopped doing everything when it comes to marketing. I just let go of Instagram. I didn't do any Instagram stuff. Uh, I didn't um, do any social media stuff. I remember like I had a huge Pinterest following at that time, which I wanted to leverage. But I'm like, look, we don't have time for all the different platforms. What's going to work immediately? You know, what's going what's gonna to bring the fast, impactful results, right? So I really got deep into, okay, who are the types of clients I want to work with? Where are they hanging out? You know, what are they paying attention to? So I started, I actually did a few interviews with the kind of clients that I wanted to work with. And I asked them, like, what are the communities you frequently visit? What are you looking for help with? Like, I truly tried to get into the weeds and understand what 
clients really wanted from a web designer, right? And in that process, I figured out like what podcast they were listening to, what, you know, content they really wanted to, you know, get from me. And then I started reaching out to these potential places that I could be featured on where I would get in front of the right people and right audiences. So I reached out to podcasts. I reached out to some really reputed e-commerce experts in that space. And I started doing podcast interviews. I started doing webinars. I just started doing some joint venture stuff, which put me in front of the audience that I wanted to truly get in front of. Because, And this is also something that I you know, talk about even now, like, yes, we can post on Instagram all the time. Right. And I, and I love Instagram, by the way, like you love it. Um, but it's just that like, you want to think about are your ideal audience hanging out there? Are the type of clients you want to attract hanging out there? Are they seeing your posts? Right. I think it's about being more intentional with how we do Instagram for attracting clients. That really makes a difference than just like, okay, I have to post. So let me just be frequently posting and try to get clients on Instagram. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. That's been something I've been talking about with my one-to-one mentorship students recently mm-hmm. is who are you marketing towards? You know, like what, like, are you marketing towards people who have a really low budget or are not interested in your higher ticket services because you're talking about DIY content, you know, or are you marketing towards the person that might not be engaging with a lot of your content because they're busy and they have a team <laughs> full of people and they're the people yeah. that come and drop 10, 15, 20K on projects? Yeah. Because yeah. they their biggest problem is finding the right designer. It's not mm-hmm. the budget or, you know, it's not the the timeline or whatever. So I I totally relate to that. And one thing that I did want to like just kind of expand upon is that you really shifted away from marketing on social media to marketing through collaboration. And I think that's a very often overlooked like space for design brand and web designers like us to leverage our knowledge, leverage whatever content you're already creating and become a part of communities and audiences that currently exist and are hungry for expert advice and expert knowledge. So with your webinars, were you kind of like, was it more like a a coaching program? And then you kind of came in as a guest expert and you kind of like share their audience. Um, and like, were they really sure? Like what what were some of the topics that you did? I'm just, I'm curious because I don't, I don't see a ton of designers doing webinars for Mm -hmm. services. I see designers doing webinars for education. Yeah, for sure. So it's just like how much we underestimate sometimes the potential of a marketing strategy. I always believe like there's no one marketing strategy that will work for everybody. You just need to figure out what works best for you. And for me, I really love being in person or like being in a virtual room and like educating or presenting. I think that gives me energy. So I think like doing those webinars always like fueled me and Also, just like the power of just sending an email, right? Like you never know what's on the other side. You always think like, huh, I don't think they'll want to partner with me or I don't think they'll say yes. But you never know because people are always looking to collaborate with experts who can bring value to their communities. So I remember like when it came to the e-commerce space back then, there is this amazing company called Privy which is an email marketing software company for Shopify and e-commerce brands. So 
I joined all these communities and Facebook groups where people of e-commerce were hanging out. And I just used to keep an eye out, you know, when somebody mentioned Shopify, when somebody mentioned a designer, I would just keep an eye out on those posts. And there was this one post where this founder and CEO of that company was looking for a podcast guest. And I'm like, yeah, they, they wouldn't want me to, you know, they wouldn't want to have me on their podcast. That's exactly what I thought first. But then I ended up sending them an email. I'm like, Hey, I just saw you were looking for podcast guests and I am a Shopify expert. And I also used to talk a lot about product photography. I have a course on product photography that also I was promoting at that time. So yeah. So I was like, I can come and teach your audience about how to take amazing product photos using their iPhone. And I'm also a Shopify expert. So when I went on the podcast and and they said, yes, please come on. And, And I got to be on that podcast. So This is just one of the stories of the many opportunities that I kind of, um, you know, pursued that year. But these, like I just did, maybe I did around seven to 12 webinars that year or seven to 12 kind of joint opportunities like this, which kind of really expanded my audience and put me in front of the type of audiences that I wanted to be in front of. So yeah, in terms of webinars, I did product photography workshops and I did Shopify workshops where I taught people how to increase conversions for their Shopify website and increase sales. So these were the two main topics that I spoke about. Yeah. Those are great. And I mean, those those come from a place of what is the value to the client? You know, like how yeah. is your product photography going to impact sales? Like how can you retain more clients in the cart rather than having them abandon their cart? Like just like little things exactly. like that. Yeah. You're laying the groundwork in your content marketing. It's not on yeah. social, but it was through collaborations. You're laying that groundwork to price your projects based off of value to the client and to understand their goals and their sticky problems rather than advertising like, hey, here are my services. Here are the deliverables. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's a really big piece that I see designers sometimes struggle with when they are marketing their businesses is to talk about themselves, to talk about their services, yeah. to talk about their process, to talk about their yeah. deliverables. When in reality, like you should be talking about your clients' problems because yes. we're not selling websites. Like we're selling increased growth. We're selling yes. increased confidence higher prices, better types of service-based, you know, business clients. Like I feel like yeah. there are so many ways that you can talk about the potential return on investment with the client. And yeah. all of my marketing comes from that place rather yes. than these are the steps in my process. That's not to say that you can't make content like that, but I love that you approached marketing your business and putting yourself out there from a place of like, how can I serve you? How can yeah. this investment be seen back again? How can you get ROI? And I feel like those are the types of sales where the client, like there's no price resistance, where they already have a budget for that stuff, where they're looking for the right person and the problem has shifted from, I don't have Mm -hmm. enough money to invest in this designer to, I want to make sure that I partner with the right expert. Um, So I just kind of wanted to point that out there because I do see that as, you know, just a sticky point for some designers out there, especially if you're new and thinking about content marketing. Um, So I love that you're talking about collaborations. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, I feel like Instagram is such a great platform and I use it even now, but it's not my primary marketing platform. I love having it as a secondary marketing platform where like, you know, when somebody reaches out or finds me, they can go check out my work and they can check out my presence or what kind of a personality I have or what kind of a designer I am on that platform. But it's not 
you know, to be honest, like even with that approach, I still get a lot of leads from Instagram. It's surprising. I have like a set of highlights where I post all my Shopify projects, Adobe XD stuff. And I just like post some Shopify stuff. And I do get a lot of inquiries from Instagram, but that's not my primary source of like generating leads, which also is great because it takes the pressure off of posting consistently because posting on Instagram can itself become a full-time job. Right. Yes. And yeah. we have other full time jobs like mm-hmm. being a designer. Too, being a mom, yeah. being a designer. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to shift gears for a second and talk about working from a place of rest. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about this philosophy in your life and your business. And can you tell me more about how you arrived there? Oh my God. Yes. So in 2016, all that prior all the years, like I, I look at my business as two parts, like the first innings and the second innings, like, so before maternity break and after maternity break, kind yes. of. Uh, yeah. So before my maternity break, I had a lot of time, right? Because it was just me and my husband and I was starting this new business felt like a baby to me. And, you know, even nowadays, and I had all the time in the world to dedicate entirely to my business. So I was like, I used to work random. Like I used to work 11 hours, 12. Like I, it, sometimes I don't know if you've ever experienced experience this, Jen, but it's like your business is also your hobby. So whenever you get any kind of free time, you want to go back to your computer and look oh at business gosh, stuff. This is, you're literally <laughs> speaking my language. It's like so hard. Like I actually just enrolled in the Shopify Codex from okay. Leia from mm-hmm. uh, Arc Design Studio. And I'm <laughs> so excited about that course. That like, I just like, as soon as writer goes to bed, I want to pull it up on my phone. Like I want to take the course. I want to create, yeah. like, I want to write my blog post. Like I want to write my Friday email. Like I don't want it to become a problem. I feel like that kind of contributes to a little bit of burnout because as much mm-hmm. as I rationalize to myself, like, but it's fun, but I enjoy it. But I love, you know, talking with my yes. community. Like it just kind of piles up. So I it totally does. understand that. I think a lot about like, what was I doing with my time? Like before I had a baby, like what I look back at some of my highlights on Instagram. I'm like, like, who do I think I was? Like I had all day. Why if I not like, you know, why did my business not grow more? Like, obviously now I wouldn't trade like my lifestyle for the world. I love my son, but it's like, okay, wait, I did not appreciate that time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. Like it's it's a huge change. And I feel like having a baby really forces some boundaries and constraints because yeah. that's what happened to me. I'm like, look, the lifestyle that I was leading before, like spending hours on the computer and on the phone is just truly not going to work now with a baby uh, mm-hmm. on hand. And like just being present in the moments when you're with your baby, I feel like becomes so much important when you become a mom and yeah. you just start like really cherishing those moments and they grow up really fast. So that was one thing that was like, okay. And, and it's really hard when, okay, you're dealing with a client situation or you're dealing with something, thinking about a client project or something. And you walk downstairs to the living room. You don't want to think about it anymore. It's, mm-hmm. it's otherwise you're taking it into your family. You're, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of there with you when you walk into the living room and a part of you is still in the office, a part of you is still like, you know, trying to play with your son or something like that. So I started seeing those things and I'm like, look, we can't have that. It's it's really hard to just cut off being a business owner as soon as you walk into, you know, the living room or anything like that. But just trying to be more present in that moment, I think 
is the best way I've figured out like striking some kind of balance. I don't think there is anything called like balance, you know, per se. No, I don't. I I don't believe in balance, at least at this season of toddlerhood, for sure. Yeah. I prefer the word harmony. And I've talked about this before on the podcast where it's like some like during an intensive week, I'm going to be working more hours during, you know, like right now, writer is sick. He has like a little cold and like, he just needs mm-hmm. me more. And like, yeah. you know, obviously I'm recording this podcast right now. He's asleep right now. Um, but like I've set up my schedule and I think you have too, cause you're saying you try to only work four hours a day that mm-hmm. those are my work business hours. And then I'll throw in like an hour or two on either end, like without calls and stuff. But like, yeah, I really, really relate to that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I, like I said, there are some seasons where you're working more and there are some seasons when you're not working at all. And like I said, like four hours is, has just been my kind of sweet spot because, and one other thing, I probably haven't talked much about this before. Like at the end of 2019, in that year when Neil was born, I spent a lot of time as a mom on the phone. And I am sure every mom out there can relate because you have a baby on the hip and you have a phone on the other hand, everything gets done on the phone. And I spent a lot of time on the phone, which kind of started leading to a lot of eye strain at the end of that year. So right when I was coming back into my business, I also started having terrible eye pain. I went to the doctors, wasn't really able to figure out what it was. They just chalked it up to eye strain and eye dryness. But you will not believe, I am kind of physically also, I I cannot push myself to work more than four hours per day because my eyes get strained a lot. And um, at the beginning, I was like, this is such like a bad thing for a business owner who needs to be in front of devices to be limited physically, you know, by their eyes, you know, like I really felt bad, you know, and especially at that time, I was just coming back into my maternity break. And I was also going to these doctors, figuring out what's leading to my eye pain. And really, there wasn't anything underneath. But I was like, oh, my God, this is the time I need to be working really hard on my business. And my eyes are paining. Like, what How? Like what better timing, right? Um, But then at the beginning, I was like really bummed about it. I'm like, wow, thank you, universe, for like really helping me out here. You know, I'm trying really hard to build my business and this is what happens. But then over time, I actually realized how it led to me being productive. Because I had only four hours per day, I was really being awesome in those four hours. Like I was really knocking out the most important stuff. And the other things that didn't get done, it was totally fine. They weren't as important, you know? So I started realizing, like, and now when I look back, I actually kind of thank my eye pain (laughs) and it's gotten better now, but you know, like it kind of forced some constraints. So I think having a baby and that eye pain episode kind of forced me to figure out a work schedule that really works both for my physical health, mental health, and just being a mom. And I think that is what led to working from a place of rest because that eye pain episode that I had at that point really kind of showed me how like without health, it's really hard to do anything, right? When you're not feeling healthy, it's just like, uh, I I should just feel tired all the time because I was Mm -hmm. looking at devices and I'm like, look, this is not the kind of lifestyle we want to build. Yes, I want to build a business, but I want to build it in a way that really aligns and nurtures me as a human being, not takes away from me of, you know, from being a human being. So I was just like, how can I do this in a way that is sustainable that feeds me in a healthy way, like nurtures me physically, mentally, emotionally. And that's when I came to this place of like working from a place of rest and not burning myself out and then resting 
to kind of make up for all the burnout, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like that um, when, when people say pay yourself first. Yeah. Or with like tithing in a religious community where you, you give the first and the best mm-hmm. and you have to invest in yourself first or put your mask on on the airplane before you put your mask on your child. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like you have to like, Take like, care. like I, I feel like, I, I feel like it's not an option for me not to work from a place of rest. Exactly. Because I've been there. I know Esther feels the same way. She's been there. We've both felt burnout. Mm-hmm. We're going to record an entire episode on it later this season, which we're looking forward to. But like, it's kind of become like a non-negotiable for me. And rest can look like a lot of different things. It doesn't necessarily need to be sleep. The first yeah. you know year of his life, it was sleep. It was like, when can <laughs> I get extra sleep? Because I love my sleep. But for me too, I mean, rest looks like just time away from my computer. Sometimes it means sit like laying on the couch after a writer goes to bed or laying on the floor and just like watching YouTube. Like yeah. I just need to like my brain to just like dissolve Relax. and not like have to work <laughs> on it. Like to think on anything because like yeah. as business owners, we're thinking, thinking, thinking. I'm driving in the car, listening to Disney, thinking about the podcast or the business or that client project that I'm working on right now. It's like, I think um, another thing that has just been helpful for me in pursuing working from a place of rest because I feel like it's never going to be a thing where I'm like, oh, I've got this figured out. All right, cool. It's like something I have to work on really hard because I will slip up, you know? Mm-hmm. I have been diving more into meditation and it yes. doesn't look like, oh, I'm going to sit down on my meditation pillow. And like, it, like, I have just been trying to meditate in the small moments. And I used to use Headspace. I am yeah. very familiar with the Headspace app and the like, format of the way Mm -hmm. that Andy does his meditation. So if Mm -hmm. you guys are interested in like getting into meditation, I recommend Headspace. I think it's amazing. I just sit down. I try to do 10 minutes at the end of the day. Or if I feel the urge to pick up my phone without reason, I will literally do a two breath meditation where I just breathe in really deeply. And then I breathe out all the way. Like you can do that anywhere. Anywhere. I feel like that just like helps helps my my brain just like take a pause. It's like if you're running really, really, really hard, you just need to stop and like yeah. walk for a second. And yeah. I feel like taking care of my brain in that way has been something that's been more on my mind recently. Whereas before I would just push and push and push and push myself mm-hmm. to do business development after hours or to, you know, I mean, I still do <laughs> courses and stuff. Like I don't think yeah. like my workaholic tendencies are ever going to truly go away. I like being mm-hmm. busy. I like cleaning the kitchen. I like getting the laundry done. I like, I like, I don't know. I like yeah. productivity, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's something that I'm working on, but I, I just, my whole thought is that like, it, it is, it's not negotiable yeah. to work from a place of rest. And so like, I just, when you wrote that, I was like, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And what an amazing content piece. Like you need to put that out there on yeah. your channels. Cause how and shareable, like that's just so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And also when you work from a place of rest, I feel like you can serve your clients better. And that's yes. what I started realizing because, and that's also one of the reasons why I wanted to focus on just one project at a time, because if I, like I used to juggle multiple projects before and just like, I realized if I'm like juggling four to five projects at a time, it's really hard to give my hundred percent to any client that I'm working with. So yeah, I think working from a place of rest can really be great for yourself, your family and your clients and your business overall. So yeah, I think, like you said, it's definitely a non-negotiable. Yeah, for sure. 
Before we move on to chat about the high-end web designer, which is your um, coaching program for web designers, I would love to know what you think the most important things that you did or did not do that contributed to you hitting your goal income of 100K in your first year after maternity leave. Okay, wonderful question. And I just want to preface this, that nothing about my goal of hitting 100K that year was linear. We always think like hitting business goals is very linear. Like, okay, if I want to make 100K this year, I'm going to make 10K one month. You know, next month is 10K. Like you think that it's going to be divided into 10 beautiful months of 10K each, right? And Mm -hmm. that's going to be so nice. Like, because it like paints a picture of security, It kind of paints a picture of very linear growth. But I personally feel like nothing about business growth is linear because I remember that year, the first project that I landed was actually for $2,000. I didn't book my first project right away for 10K and just like everything was happy ever after kind of a story. January was $0. February was $0. March, I booked a project for 2K. But one thing that really worked was I quickly raised my prices. So I booked the project for 2K, but the next project I booked was for 6K. And one of the major pieces that really made an impact was me stepping into value-based pricing. I truly dove deep into how I can implement value-based pricing in a way that feels good to me and also works for the business and also works for my clients. And I'm able to serve them in an impactful, stronger way. So I raised my prices with the help of value-based pricing quickly. So I landed 2K project, 6K project, then I again landed a 5K project, I remember. And then in July of that year was my first 10K project. So I was just thinking about it a few days ago. In that year, up till September, I remember, I think it was in the end of September when I hit my 50K mark. So it had taken me a full nine months to hit 50K. And then suddenly... Like the next three months, another 50K happened and it led to, you know, 100K. It's like you can never plan these things, you know. I did set a goal of hitting 100K, but it wasn't at all linear or very planned out or, you know, it it never is. And even now, like two years from that moment as well, like it's been two full years of me running my business. I just feel like business is never linear. You can have multiple six-figure years and then you're going to have still slow months and slow periods. And I think that's actually good for business owners because the up and down is very normal. And the up and down also gives you places of slow growth and rest, which is very needed for creatives like us. We need those you know, valleys and high points just so it nurtures and rejuvenates us in the right ways to pursue those higher points. So at the beginning, I would resist those slower periods. I'm like, why is this happening? You know, I just, I thought everything was going great. I had a great month. So why is this month slower? But then I realized this is how it is, you know, and you better, I kind of like told myself like this, good to embrace these slower periods because that really gives you the energy to really climb those you know higher points when they come and really navigate them beautifully so i've really embraced that up and down like the dance of running a business um because that's just the truth that's the natural like it's never that okay this month i hit 10k next month is 20k 30k 40k it, it doesn't work like that it's a beautiful up and down dance of running a business and i think just embracing that will make it more easier. But in terms of like, yeah, well, the biggest levers that really led me to hitting that goal was like working from a place of rest, not pushing myself 
to do, you know, things that I didn't want to do. Like, and embracing the marketing strategy that really worked for me was probably like doing collaborations and value-based pricing was huge for me because I truly understand how to communicate value and charge for it. So all of these main, I think, and just overall my mindset, having a growth mindset. And I fell down many times. Like every time I tried to raise my prices, I got shot down with a lot of no's and, you know, things didn't work out all the time, but I was like, okay, no problem. Let's just pick back up and keep moving forward. So like I had this sticky note on my computer which said, keep swimming, like in the Finding Dory movie, like how she's like, put your head down, keep swimming, keep swimming. So every time I felt like, things weren't working, I always told myself, it's all right, keep swimming, keep swimming. It's just the momentum of like taking one step after another, which I think, you know, kind of makes way for a lot of progress and growth. Uh, I feel like growth never happens like, oh yeah, this like just happened in one day. It's always like a beautiful accumulation mess. of small <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, like a beautiful mess. mess. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. That's what yeah. I thought. <laughs> exactly. It's a, like it's an accumulation of small steps. And like you said, it's a beautiful, messy path that when you embrace, I think leads to a lot of growth uh, in ways I, that you wouldn't even imagine, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, when I look back over the past, I mean, I'm in my fourth year of business now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took me three months to ever make a sale from a stranger yeah. in my business. <laughs> I would say stranger. It's so weird. But like, you know, somebody wasn't my mom or like, you know, my friend's yeah. friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, even now, like I, you know, in the first couple of years of my business, I saw like a hundred percent growth, like year over year. And I was like, yeah. oh, it's just going to be like that pattern every single year. And then in my third year of business, like I did not see a hundred percent growth. And I was like, what <laughs> yeah. am I doing wrong? My business is broken. Like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had months where like I was in the red, like 15 grand because mm-hmm. I had a bunch of expenses come through that month where the client had paid the previous month. And yeah. so I have just been giving my, myself permission not to pay too much attention to just those monthly numbers. I know people talk about hitting 10K months, but like I'm really looking at like, okay, how has my business done over the past two years? What was my quarter like? What was this quarter like versus last quarter? I mean, the world is changing so rapidly. Um, Mm -hmm. This summer has been the slowest season that I have experienced in recent years in my business. I was still able to pay my salary. Um, I was still able to pay my business expenses. But inquiries were practically non-existent during, I feel like, the second half of Q2 and the beginning half Mm -hmm. of Q3. Things have really started picking back up again in the fall. But I mean... Last summer was one of my busiest like times of of 2021. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's unpredictable. There's no such thing as consistency. I feel like when you're looking at your gross income, I have created consistency in my business through my salary, through the distributions and bonuses that I pay myself, through my profit. A big shout out to Profit First. Um, yeah. That was the book that like really changed, changed you know, the yeah. way that I pay myself <laughs> and the way that I compensate myself as the owner of the company. But you're right. It's like it fluctuates. And I just want any listener out there, if you are feeling like you're in a rut or you're feeling down or whatever that looks like, you are not alone. And that's extremely normal. Like I don't know yeah. of another designer that consistently hits 10K gross every month. Like 
Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's 4K. Sometimes it's like 18K. You know, sometimes it's 12K. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's 2K. Sometimes you make a $0 (laughs) month and that is okay. You know, like (laughs) really look at the larger patterns. Look at the people who are engaging with your content. Look at the type Mm -hmm. of inquiries you're getting, even if they're not converting. Take a look at your positioning, like, potentially think about investing in a, a, a program. Like I have, mm-hmm. you know, been able to fast track so much of my business from absorbing the knowledge of others, which is just so incredible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I completely 100%. agree. Yeah. Same here. hundred percent agree. Yeah. Wonderful. I think it's just like looking at the journey as a whole and we're all in this for the long haul. So you're just keeping the eyes on the big picture really helps sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I would love to hear more about the high-end web designer, which is your signature program for web designers. Tell us more about what is included in that, um, where and where people can find you and find more information. Yeah, for sure. So I started the high-end web designer in 2021. I felt like, okay, I was able to make this new business model work well for me, like working four hours per day as a mom. And I really was eager to share this with other fellow designers. And that was kind of the primary reason why I started this um, coaching program. So the program is unique in the sense that it helps you with both the business skills that is needed to run your design business. So we talk more about positioning, marketing, pricing, all that good stuff. But also it arms you with all the technical things that you need to really build powerful strategy-driven websites. So we dive really deep into website strategy, UX strategy, and how to really build websites that solve problems for clients. Because that's what leads to the cycle of, you know, you then being able to put those projects in the portfolio, bring results to clients, and then being able to charge more as a result for your next projects. It's kind of just like creates this beautiful cycle because the more powerful websites you create, the more better results your clients are going to get. And as a result, you know, you can add those projects and results to your portfolio, which drives more of those similar kind of projects coming to you. So yeah, the program kind of combines both the business and the technical skills, uh, design skills that you need to run successful web design business that also aligns with your lifestyle. So I always say it's like sustainability and profitability built into one program. So for web designers specifically. So yeah, you can find more details at thehighendwebdesigner.com. And it's just been an amazing run of you know, doing this coaching program, it has become one of the most fulfilling parts of running my business, apart from doing my Shopify design studio, just coaching other designers and working with these amazing talented designers has really fueled me and fulfilled me in a way that I'd never imagined. It's just so fun. Um, yeah, seeing other businesses grow. It's like the happiness of growing your own business is one thing, but when you help other designers or when you play a part or when you play a small part in some other, you know, like another designer's life, it's just like, it's very fulfilling. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) If you guys are wanting to look at the beautiful sales page, go and look just for some design inspo because it is absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. What platform did you design that page on? Oh my God. It's my favorite platform, Webflow. Webflow. <laughs> I just launched the Webflow website last week. Webflow it's is amazing. so powerful. It's amazing. Oh 
Yeah. yeah there's is, we could do yeah. a whole other episode about Webflow, but yeah. We are going to actually skip our inbox question because I have a coaching call with my marketing consultant that I need to get to. Okay. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you so, so much, Chaitra, for joining me and just for opening up about the struggles and the successes and talking just so confidently about the the numbers and the pricing that you did share with us. I think that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast was we want to talk about stuff that people don't see super often on Instagram. And if you guys want to go check out her Instagram, I highly recommend it because I remember seeing a post recently that you did where you were sharing some numbers in your studio. And I was just like, how refreshing is this to hear from another woman business owner, just about like, you know, the numbers in your business. And I just feel like so much of that is kept under wraps. And so your transparency and honesty and authenticity is just so appreciated. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jen. Like like when I came back from my maternity break, I remember listening to the podcast. So like I said, I am just so thrilled to be a guest today on the podcast. I love having this conversation with you. And I think Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was just so good reflecting back on the past couple of years and just like talking about my journey. Yeah. I love, we love having listeners on because like, (laughs) I feel like you guys understand like our intention for the space and everything, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a big hug from all the way to Florida. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you guys in next week's episode. Bye everybody. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air, or you want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thanks to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.